Raptors Rebus is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Raptors and NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Tell all your friends. And I say that because you can also get concert tickets on there. And I'm going to see Taking Back Sunday play Tell All Your Friends front to back at the Danforth Music Hall on Sunday. Um, so that was a neat little thing to find out, that you can also get concert tickets on the Game Time app. Uh, so head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets for sports, concerts, whatever. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, as always, fresh from dropping me off at home after practice, Eric Green. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm all right. Just uh, watching the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins in a in a tight one. My brother is uh, is there at New Era Field, undoubtedly in a high state of stress. This was supposed to be easy, Blake, but nothing ever is for the Buffalo Bills. Are the Miami Dolphins bad? Is that the- oh yeah, they're like like yeah, process they're, they're like, bad, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I believe Jack Armstrong's at that game as well. Shout out to Jack Yeah, he is, he is a Bill season ticket holder, and when there's no Raptors conflict, uh, he attends, and I believe he's, uh, you know, he has some barbecues, and so if you're ever in Buffalo on a game day and the Raptors aren't playing, you might try and find Jack in some parking lot, but there are many parking lots there where many people are imbibing, so... That's all it is. Yeah, the no. entire town of Orchard Park is just a parking lot. More like yes, Orchard Parking Lot. You, you nailed it, Blake. Yeah, we're off to a great start here. Uh, guys, we are coming to you Monday morning, the forced, ah, forced, the first day of the NBA season. Technically, uh, no games until Tuesday, but the calendar starts today. 2019-2020 is here. Preseason is over. As of this recording, the Raptors have not locked in their roster, unfortunately, which we'll get to. Uh, but the season is upon us. Um, with the new season comes some news. Uh, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic already, by the way, you can use the promo code theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six, not spelt out, and definitely not spelt out like 6IX, uh, because that would be <laughs> super, that would be too Toronto. It would uh, so be theathletic.com slash we the six that gets you 40% off an annual subscription. Um, this podcast also now, uh, I know that some of the feedback when we first moved it behind the athletic was that it could be a little difficult to get outside of your normal podcast apps. That's gone. Podcast back on iTunes, back on Spotify, uh, anywhere you get your podcast. So make sure you are subscribing uh, whichever on whichever of those apps you prefer to use. Um, that's That's iTunes for me. It sounds like it's Spotify for a lot of people now, but... You know, Spotify is for making early 2000s pop punk mixes, not for podcasts, in my opinion. (laughs) Last week, we didn't have a podcast just because it made more sense to tee up the season uh, on a Monday. Our thinking was that the roster would be locked in, and that was part of that. Uh, That's not the case. So um, we'll probably come at you twice this week. Uh, The Toronto Raptors open their season on Tuesday against the New Orleans Pelicans. Sans Zion Williamson. We'll talk about that game later. 
we'll preview that. Um, we have a lot to get through. We we have to analyze the roster decisions the Raptors did make and the ones they're still <laughs> uh, putting off. And I'm sure waiting until we're halfway through this podcast and then dropping them on Twitter. So I'm panicked the rest of the podcast uh, about not being able to write right away. Uh, we're going to talk about the rotation, the seven guys who are locked in, and the handful of guys still competing for those final three spots. We're going to talk about why one of those guys seems locked in as an eighth, and I don't understand it. <laughs> We're going to talk some predictions, big and small. We're going to talk big picture predictions, you know, your your win totals, the playoff outlooks. Uh, everyone can get on Eric for being so negative and pessimistic all the time and getting five playoff Raptors playoff series wrong last year. Yeah, I got all five. Playoff round. Yeah, it's 17 playoff series in a row I've gotten wrong about the Raptors. Yeah, and then we're going to do some props. We're going to do some fun, goofy, dumb props that immediately after we're off air, Eric will text me mad at me for putting him on the spot with such dumb questions that he hasn't seen yet. I'm, do I ever get mad at you for dumb questions? I don't How, think that's well, ever happened. Well, you might, but you don't stay mad at me. I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not an angry person. I'm a sad person. Yeah. Also, I, I have these eyes, you know, they're not... These uh, eyes. I don't... I Oh, there's a Zion injury status update right there. Mm. Oh, no, they will not update his injury status today. That's, oh, that's a good, good update to get. <laughs> good update to get mid-podcast. Mid awesome. Um, okay, so we will be coming at you twice this week, and then we're going to try to settle into a once-a-week. Um, obviously, as things happen in the NBA, uh, the schedule is not super conducive to one release time every single week, but we will do our best. Um and also, like, if you're subscribing to The Athletic, you get so many good podcasts other than ours. Not that ours isn't great, but, like, it's the, best, Toronto, it's the best one. Ours is the best one. I don't, like, are we, we would probably rank last among the Toronto ones. Birds All Day is great. Leaf Report's great. And then on the NBA side, like, I don't play much fantasy basketball, but the Dunks and Dimes NBA fantasy podcast I've heard is tremendous for the people who are trying to gear up for their drafts. And then uh, the first three or four weeks of the season, which is always chaos on the waiver wire because Willie Cauley-Stein will put up like 30 and 15 when he was expected to be out of the rotation. Um, like like definitely Wednesday night, Omari Spellman is going to drop like 40 and a thousand thousands of people will be trying to add him. Uh, Dunks yes. and Dimes, the NBA fantasy podcast, will have you guys covered for that. Um, oh yeah, I should plug as well uh, i'm on the daily ding podcast today so look for me on that as well a nice uh season preview kind of opening night preview on the daily ding as well we have a lot of really good podcasts man man you guys don't appreciate what blake just did but i do and let me just say fine work uh by our navigator here uh yeah but it's sailing also like Sailing this through is water. Like also, the getting... issue with I have with podcasting is that look at all these really good podcasts. Is yeah, too many options. How do it's Eric a, and I live up? It's too many options. It's a quintessential millennial uh, dilemma. Uh, yes. Like what? What do you make time for? What do you not make time for? Yeah, uh, just keep swiping, but, and there there could be an even better podcast. Who knows? You that, could talk that to that podcast. Works? For like a week and set up a date and then decide not to go on that date to listen to that podcast because maybe if you keep swiping, there's a different podcast. Yeah, you know a better one that that's like an 100% match as opposed to a 97% one. Exactly. You got me. Um, in terms of our podcast, uh, we're going to get that going. <laughs> Eric, um, they uh, <laughs> they did not uh, take my request to replace you with Tass after Tass Mellis of No The, st the start week. of our podcast is now. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk Raptors. We both just came from practice. Um, an interesting practice day because it's we're in that weird bubble, and we ran into it with Kyle Lowry as well. 
where everyone knows that the Raptors have agreed to a maximum contract extension with Pascal Siakam, which is great news, and it's very fun news. However, the T's are not crossed, the I's are not dotted, the ink is not dry, so that hasn't officially happened, so um, we couldn't talk to Pascal Siakam. The questions we did ask about Pascal Siakam's extension had to be kind of vague and tiptoe around, you know, things like dollar amounts. Um, Nick Nurse didn't really seem to care. He, he gave us the straightforward answers. Um, I think that, you know, you, you wrote a great piece on what the Siakam extension means for the Raptors and what it signals. I had written something earlier in the summer that was, um, you know, mea culpa here. I didn't think it was particularly likely. I just thought if they were going to max him, it made sense to wait until the summer, maximize that flexibility. Obviously, the nature of my job analyzing these things and being a little cold sometimes about players as assets and the cap sheet and stuff like that. I don't have to consider the personal, the soft side skills, um, that kind of stuff. Obviously, that was very, very important to the Raptors here. Pascal Siakam locked up now through 2024 on a max contract for the next four years. Eric, any quick thoughts before we get into more of a preview mode here? Yeah, I think... I mean, where we differ based on our conversations is like... I mean, if... I think clearly in terms of just practicality and flexibility, it didn't make much sense to do this now. Uh, the Raptors have essentially cost themselves $22 million worth of cap space uh, next summer. And even if there's not a player that's worthy of that space and you don't want clogging up your 2021 cap sheet, uh, there's still other things you can do with that space. You can take on a bad contract and get some draft picks. There are all sorts of options. Uh, I think we're... And so, uh, you know, the smartest thing just in terms of of that would be to wait. But I, I was just sort of of the mind that whatever they decided, like, I couldn't get too worked up about. And like I wrote about, having seen a few situations like this go sideways, uh, Utah, you know, letting Gordon Hayward go to restricted free agency ultimately cost them. Now, whether or not that's a bad thing after his injuries, uh, you know, who knows, but, uh, but that's not what they wanted to happen, certainly. And then there was the Kawhi Leonard situation where, you know, just like this, almost an exact situation like this, he was going to get the max after he won the finals MVP in 2014. And the Spurs said, do you mind if we wait? Because we want to keep our flexibility. Uh, they waited. They got LaMarcus Aldridge. Kawhi Leonard got his money. Uh, but did that start sort of a situation going awry? Uh, nobody's ever said it on the record. There's been some reporting that that does indicate that. And I think what the Raptors decided is to use an old, uh, I think it was a Dwayne Caseyism, or am I confusing my Raptors coaches? You make the main thing the main thing. Uh, is that Nick Nurse or Dwayne Casey? Do you know? I don't know. That sounds like a DeMar to me. Hmm. Anyway, somebody or many people have said it. Uh, and the main thing being, Pascal Siakam is an integral part to this team. This money was money he was going to get regardless. Uh, they don't want there to be any confusion there. They want him to be happy. And, you know, maybe as far as this year is concerned, they don't want him chasing numbers or anything. They want him playing within the framework, being comfortable. And they decided to, you know, if they're going to err, err in the side of that way. And do, I don't have a big problem with that. that. That's my main takeaway. 
yeah, I, you know, like I, like I tweeted when it happened, it's like, I probably would have leaned toward just waiting. I feel like I, I understand, I feel like people's re- reaction to this, obviously it should be overwhelmingly positive. Siakam's awesome. He's going to be worth the four years, 129.9 million that is currently estimated uh, to be the max. He's your guy. There's a lot of positive reasons to do that. I think people undersold the value of $22 million in cap flexibility just because the free agent class is not great. Like, that's still a real opportunity cost in signings, in trades. Um, I think, I do, I do think it makes it a little more likely that Marcus Alt or Serge Ibaka gets a one year extension yeah. a la Kyle Lowry, just because yeah. now they're not going to have any space anyway. As If you're if you're under the assumption they keep Van Bleet, they're not going to have any, any space. Um, his, and, his cap hold, I believe, is seventeen something yes. for next year. So, yes, which is uh, I don't right I don't, around what he's hoping to make. Yeah, like it's starter money or very important reserve money, probably. Although we'll see what happens with the sal- with the salary cap and the luxury tax next year. Obviously, there is a, there is some uncertainty there, given uh, what's going on factors. Uh, with factors that you know. Uh, with China and the money that's coming in uh, through that, if you want to set, call it and be so cold to call it a revenue stream. Whew, that was a slippery tiptoe. That was like watching a dog try to walk on ice, Eric. Yeah, I, I managed. I didn't fall in. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, as much as um, people, I think, underrated the opportunity cost a little bit, um, I also... I understand that there are counterexamples like Kawhi Leonard and Gordon Hayward, and then there are some other ones where like bad organizations bungle this. I feel like the whole relationship thing is like the Raptors have built up this culture and the relationships with players, and Masai is a mentor to Siakam. Like I feel like that was manageable around. Like you you could handle that and communicate it well and get it done early in free agency to where that wasn't really a big factor, but also I absolutely understand getting it done. Um, like you said, the main thing, the main thing, that cap space could be anything, even a Pascal Siakam, you know? Mm-hmm. Could be anything, uh, even a boat. Yeah. They, ooh, and a nice boat. Um, he's going to be a Raptor for a long time, and that's a good thing. That's the basic takeaway here, and it is complex because the CBA is very complex, but... Uh, the Raptors aren't going to regret having Pascal Siakam around, uh, I do not think. You knew who, you know who was not a Toronto Raptor for a very long time? Was Tyler Ennis. He was yes. a Raptor from about the time I got home last night and thought maybe I'd had a couple too many beers when I saw Tyler Ennis on the transaction wire. You did um, not dream it, Blake. Did not dream it. Uh, the Raptors made some other roster moves, so they have some decisions to make still. Let's quickly go through what they've done. Um, they waived Sagabakanate, Devin Robinson, and Campaign. Campaign was in competition for a, a main roster spot, uh, did not have a very good camp. He's out of here, not eligible to join Raptors 905 as an affiliate player or a two-way. So his time in Toronto is done. The expectation is that Robinson and Kanate will both make their way to Raptors 905 as affiliate players. Um, Kanate is already in Mississauga working out. I'm not, I can't say the same about Devin Robinson. I just haven't seen for sure. Uh, the Raptors also jumped early to uh they made a waiver then they, they made a waiver yes they waived kanate used the extra roster spot to sign matt morgan waived matt morgan used that spot to sign tyler ennis waived tyler ennis that stuff's just done it's it's basically uh 
not an accounting trick, but it's just a paperwork trick to get those guys down to 905 as affiliate players. Oh, um, it so is a lo- it is a loophole. It's not what was intended, but it's uh, not what was intended. But the issue you know. with a lot of the CBA stuff as it pertains to the G League, um, positive and negative in terms of team building, is that the G League's kind of grown too fast. The CBA gets it got updated in 2011. It got updated in 2017. The G League grew from like some like most teams not having their own affiliate to suddenly almost all the teams have an affiliate. And then since the 2017 CBA got locked in, well, they've seen teams massage the Exhibit 10 rules and the two-way rules and stuff like that. Um, Everything has unintended consequences. And the Raptors are doing and have done pretty well to... Um, maximize around that. This is something that they've done every year now. They did it with Davion Barry a couple years ago. Malcolm Miller forget? last year to get him a bonus um, to so to supplement his salary while he rehabbed with the 905. And here, Matt Morgan and Tyler Ennis uh, get to go to the 905. Uh, Matt Morgan, who is a lights-out shooter, if he can get those shots off at the next level, <laughs> he was like an elite, elite shooter uh, in college and looked pretty good in summer league with the Raptors. And Tyler Ennis is a Canadian point guard who has NBA experience, who was a high-end EuroLeague player before breaking his leg last year and isn't all the way back yet. Um, But he, from an upside perspective, uh, is a really, really interesting G League piece. And then probably by midseason on the call-up radar for the Raptors or someone else, whether or not the Raptors are in the market for a call-up point guard will depend on the one roster decision they haven't made yet. Let's talk about it. Malcolm Miller and Isaiah Taylor are both still on the roster. Technically... Teams should have cut everyone on Saturday, um, if not sooner. However, because both of those players have small partial guarantees, uh, the Raptors aren't really incurring any actual costs to keep them on the roster a little longer. Monday at 5 is the deadline. Uh, Their roster decisions are basically down to Miller or Taylor for the 15th spot. O'Shea Brissett's still on the roster. He's going to get converted to a two-way deal, I'm 99.9% sure. The question then becomes, A, is it Miller or Taylor? And B, is Taylor amenable to, if he clears waivers, signing into the team's second two-way spot? Um, if not, then I think they'd play the free agent market to try to lock down another two-way guy. I think their best case right now is they keep Miller. Taylor agrees to sign a two-way. Um, that way you have some semblance of point guard depth in the system uh, instead, because you're, you'd then be rolling into the into the season with only Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet on the main roster of point guard. Uh, do you have a feel for this one, Eric? I've thought for a while it's going to be Miller. Uh, obviously, that's a tricky situation. You know, we've we've seen years where the Raptors carry four point guards. Uh, so to only have two true point guards and certainly two, and uh, you know, two point guards with NBA, real NBA experience playing the position would be a bit of a shock to the system. But I think uh, you know, Nick Nurse has proven he's pretty comfortable with guys who are just you know, capable of handling the ball uh, and getting the ball up the floor. And since they want to do so much running and, you know, converting turnovers into fast break opportunities, it's maybe less of a concern when he mentioned putting Pascal Siakam at point guard. I don't think like, you know, he's dribbling for a while up top, you know, taking pick and rolls and then shooting the ball, you know, across the court with like a skip pass or anything. I don't think that's sort of what's in that's not what's envisioned uh but he mentioned playing them next to maybe norm and matt thomas and then you have a few guys who can sort of handle it a bit 
who can knife and and there's multiple opportunities for dribble penetration there. It'd be a lot of you know open offense as they like to call it. Uh, I think Miller is going to make it. I think they have invested a lot of time into him. I think they're genuinely curious, as am I and as are you, definitely to what he would look like as a back of the rotation guy given a semi regular opportunity. Uh, you know he's you can make a case he deserves that right now. And, and Nick Nurse has, has mentioned that Miller could rotate into the rotation, uh, and, and that's assuming he makes the team, of course. Uh, and I just don't think Isaiah Taylor has done enough uh, to warrant that spot over Miller. Now, there might come a time if an injury, if the Raptors incur an injury, where they have to make a difficult decision, but I, I just don't think that's yet. So I think it's going to be Miller. And I don't really have any insight as to whether they can get Taylor to stay in Mississauga for a while. But uh, the other thing Nick Nurse mentioned is he wouldn't be surprised if one of the two-way players is with the team very early on. So that, you know, just reading the tea leaves, if they could get Taylor to stay, having him around, given that they only have two point guards right now. And, you know, Patrick McCaw, who's another guy who can handle the ball a little bit, is injured uh, and likely won't play Tuesday, at least. Uh, That would be ideal. Well, here's the thing, too, is that uh, the NBA days for two ways don't start counting until G League camps open. So you get a little bit of the start of season anyway. Cool. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think Miller has outplayed the other candidates in camp. I think they I think weirdly obviously they're a little deeper at wing and forward but a lot of their depth there can't shoot and uh the guy who can shoot can't really defend um it's interesting where like miller's on the bubble for what is ostensibly the 15th roster spot and then if he makes it will immediately jump into the conversation for eight to ten in the rotation uh if you narrow the decision strictly through that it's like well yeah then miller should absolutely make the roster if he's in the conversation to be in the rotation if he makes it um that point guard thing you know what's tough is that if i'm taylor's camp because this will be his third nba season uh he if he gets called up or if he gets a 10 day later on he racks up that money pretty quickly uh because it's not a first year salary uh the the two-way salary will top out at about 415 thousand this year which is not nothing but um he could make that up pretty quick as a third year guy uh, if he got called up and i do think he'd pretty quickly rise to the top of the call-up list if he just went to the 905 as an affiliate player um because he's gonna put up big numbers in the g league like he's he's one of those guys that i'm i'm not 100 percent sure he's an nba guy yet i've been fond of him in the past but he's definitely uh advanced past the g league um, now, whether that's in a Lorenzo Brown kind of way or more a Tim Frazier, I can stick in the NBA kind of way. Uh, we'll see. Or maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think <laughs> those I think are the Miller's options the play. I think Miller's the play. I think you try to, you know, there's also the Raptors would never come out and say that they're doing this. We've seen teams in the past work out handshake agreements with two way guys where it's like, OK, maybe you tell Taylor, look, we're going to put you on a two way we promise you that we'll use your 45 NBA days by date X. And then if we don't plan to convert you, we'll release you. Um, you've seen things like that in the past. The Phoenix Suns did it with Mike James, not former Raptor Amityville scorer Mike James, the other Mike James. Uh, we've seen some other teams do things like that as well. So there's room for some handshake agreement to kind of massage those days and massage the money guys are going to get. And, you know, you can you can work around some stuff. Um, the issue here obviously being that Miller is not eligible 
for a two-way because his guarantee was too large. So uh, that's a tough one. I think Miller will make it. I think the Raptors cross their fingers that uh, that Isaiah Taylor takes a two-way. And then, uh, you know, maybe later in the year, if Taylor proves not worthy of a call-up or um, they agree to release him or whatever, maybe Tyler Ennis is ready by then or something like that. Um, the other thing is, is you know, you mentioned maybe if they change their mind later or if they need a point guard later on, the Raptors are going to be significantly below, or not significantly, but like meaningfully below the luxury tax, where if they have to turn around and cut Miller in January because Fred gets hurt or something like that, they can do that and it's just money. And obviously money is still real, uh, but, you know, they're not going to go into the tax board or anything like that. They're going to have a lot of wiggle room with that. So um, I would lean toward Miller. I think he's going to make the team. And I agree with you. I think that's what's going to happen. I'd be moderately surprised if that doesn't happen. I'm more certain of that, let's say, than what the result of Monday night's Canadian election is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, probably don't don't need to talk talk about about... it. No, no, I'm just saying. Like, I'm just talking about my certainty. I'm not talking about political preference or anything like that. I'm certain you should go out and vote if you haven't done that yet and you're listening to this. Maybe you're listening to it on the way to vote. Um, I hope so. I hope you all voted. I hope everyone gets out and votes. It's very important, and we're lucky to be able to do that. Um, All right. Let's assume transitioning. Miller, let's assume Malcolm Miller makes the uh, makes the Raptors roster. Now we got to look at what the rotation looks like. Nick Nurse has been fairly clear verbally and in how he ran the dress rehearsal uh, preseason finale that seven guys are locked in. There's seven carryovers. Six were fixtures in the championship rotation. The seventh was OG Ananobi, who probably would have been had he been healthy. Um, whether they start. Whether they finish, I think it's pretty clear that the seven Raptors who are going to play the most are Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Marc Gasol, and Serge Ibaka. Um, I would think that the the most commonly used starting lineup is going to include Lowry, Ananobi, Siakam, and Gasol, and then maybe Van Vliet and Powell bounce that back and forth. Ibaka starts once in a while. Uh, But really, the starting, as Nick Nurse has tried to make clear, who starts isn't really all that important, and... After a month of talking about it, maybe not all that interesting. Those seven guys are the key seven guys. However, unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers against the Toronto Raptors, you don't want to run a seven-man rotation all that often. That's too tight. That's that's against the principles of load management. Uh, that is, which they're, you, you know, which they're going to need to use at times, or yes. you figure they're going to need to use at times. Yes. So we have. I mean, I don't. Do you want to talk about those seven guys much beyond like no? They really I think, good on Friday. You know, Everyone P- knows them. Yeah, well. the game on Friday was odd. Like they played really, really well. I was, I was like, the, it, it reminded me, to be frank, a lot of what they looked like without Kawhi in games last year, and they went seventeen and five in those games. The ball also, was OG moving Fred really looked, well. Like yeah. OG and Fred look extremely good. Yeah, you know how fond I am of OG, and like seeing him take. The the role he played in the first three preseason games where he almost was like Siakam light and got to ask to do a lot more or told he could do a lot more. And then you see him shift back into what his actual role will be. And suddenly he looks way, way better. It was beautiful. Yeah, good. Uh, they played really well. And it, uh, you know, I, I try not to put too much stock into the preseason, but it did make me rethink uh, sort of my general feelings about the team going forward, which is stupid, but. You know, it's sort of natural at this time of year. 
but well, but let's talk about uh, the you know be, beyond them because we know that you know health willing they're going to play every night they're available. Yes. So Nick Nurse today was once again asked about what the rotation looks like outside of those seven. In the preseason finale, Terrence Davis was pretty firmly in the eight-man rotation, even though Nurse ran like 16 minutes of just seven guys. Uh, Davis was the eighth man. He acquitted himself well. Nurse still sounds a little unsold on the consistency of Davis's defense, which makes sense. He's a rookie. Um, he was a good defender in college, but not necessarily a, an elite lockdown guy. So having some questions there look you're you're a rookie especially an undrafted rookie you're supposed to have questions about your ability to jump into an nba rotation day one uh that's that's where you're supposed to be at um nurse mentioned davis he mentioned patrick mccaw uh oh, he sure want did want to rant about patrick mccaw um so i'm trying to make patrick mccaw happen <laughs> look okay i think he's fine he he's fun. like, he's perfectly fine. And when they gave him a spot start against Miami last year, it was fine. I don't think like he's some, I don't think he's like demonstrably better than anybody else vying for these minutes on the roster. And I don't think what he does is necessarily extremely important compared to what those other guys do. So I don't really get it. He has his moments and when he's going well, you ride him, but... It's just tough to have somebody who's so passive and, you know, while he can be an effective defender, I wouldn't say he's, you know, a huge plus on that end. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. I don't. Uh, yeah, so I understand a little bit of it, I guess. Like, I understand him almost being like, let's put this in wrestling terms, Eric. Uh, okay. There are main eventers and there are upper carters. There are mid-carters and low-carters. Some guys settle in for their career as gatekeepers, where it's established that, hey, if you beat this guy and you you know, you know come out of that feud looking good and looking like you're ready, well, then you're going up. You're ready for the big time. If you lose to that guy and you're booked poorly or you don't live up to that expectation, you drop down. Roddy Piper was a huge one, whereas just a, a gatekeeper guy. Um, the current one is maybe like a Cesaro. I was going like to mention that. Cesaro. Blake. Yes. This is great. I would be fine with Patrick McCaw being sort of the gatekeeper in the rotation where it's like, <laughs> you know, you have your seven and he's slotted in on paper as the eighth. But like the other guys on the roster are, are gunning for Patrick McCaw. It's like, okay, well, if you outplay McCaw, then, you know, you're ready for the rotation. And if you don't outplay McCaw, well, McCaw can slide into that rotation spot. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I I just don't... What reason is he given that deference? Like, yeah, has he I, really just, done... Has he demonstrably done more? Like, he's no, played, he's played longer. He's been around yeah. a bit longer. He's the champion, le champion, Patrick McCaw. But, uh, like, he's never had a sustained run as a positive rotation player so I, I i get that like he's the closest thing to that but i guess it just doesn't move the needle that much for me to yeah. say uh, I, and you know in the ex to the extent that somebody has to be the incumbent like fine make him the incumbent and i think that's what you're saying pretty much but i wouldn't put that much stock in that i guess yeah uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's more European champion than Intercontinental champion, you know, you know what I'm saying? Rest in peace. Yes. Uh, so, 
the question then becomes if you don't like Patrick McCaw in the rotation, which you would be justified in not liking, even though, again, he's probably fine. Um, the question becomes what other people deliver that he doesn't. And maybe it's not fair to cut it off there at eight because the rotation will probably be nine or 10 most nights. Um, and guys will get injured too. So it's yeah. worth thinking about. Yeah, and this, this is the thing. is like the rotation you use in game one is only the rotation you use in game one. Uh, Nurse was pretty clear that with, the, with some of these decisions, um, to use our favorite word, Eric, they might be fluid. Uh, they might also be matchup dependent. So he said, you know, like maybe some nights you need that shooting burst and it's Matt Thomas. Maybe some nights you, you know, there's a specific matchup that requires Stanley Johnson's defense. Maybe you need a mix of both and it's Malcolm Miller. Um, I think, I feel like of those guys, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is maybe the best all-around player, but he hasn't really found his fit yet and is working with a, a sore groin right now. Uh, and, and that's not to speak of Terrence Davis, who I think has outperformed pretty much everyone in that group. But Davis, uh, I think we talked, I can't remember if we talked about this in the podcast or just in person earlier in the preseason. Davis is an interesting question to me because I think on merit so far, he's looked like the guy who deserves the eighth rotation spot. And obviously until November 8th, there's no need to make this decision. But you wonder at a certain point whether eight to 10 minutes playing the backup two guard role is more valuable than maybe going down to the 905 and playing 35 minutes and getting some of those point guard reps in that they tried to get him in the preseason that they want him to eventually develop. So um, Davis is, you know, other guys could go down to the 905. DeJuan Hernandez will spend most of his time there. Um, Matt Thomas, if he falls out of the rotation, could see some time there. there. There are a couple other guys. But Davis is the most interesting question like that to me. And I wonder if maybe he gets a chance in the rotation the first little while um, to kind of help inform that decision. Well, yeah. not just to help that inform that decision, because, again, he would be in the rotation because he's mostly earned it so far, but that would be extra information to help make that decision later on. Yeah, I, I mean, he's... there. There is little reason to keep him around if he's not playing, given right. what you could do with him. And since there's no urgency to make that decision right now, but there is... Uh, you know, a time crunch coming, it, it, it would make sense. Could we take a time out to pay tribute to Nick Nurse's work this week in front of the camera when discussing sure. uh, players uh, who are not among those seven? Yeah, uh, take your moment. I mean, just a, a great preseason coaching performance uh, for media purposes. Uh, on, I believe it was Wednesday. I don't know. The days run together when it was implied that Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, because of their defensive uh, reputations, would fit in well. Nick Nurse uh, stopped TSN's Josh Lewinberg in his traps with five nopes, and then roasted not not only did he roast them, but he sort of roasted the guys unfamiliar with the system in general. And then after Friday's game, uh, he said Johnson was better defensively, uh, but was offensively on offense was a bit overeager. And then when talking about Matt Thomas, he said sort of the, the opposite. And then when it got to defense, he just sort of, you know, put his lip together as, you know, almost like a, like my collars getting tight here, sort of, uh, expression uh which is to say matt thomas's defense leaves a lot to be desired right now uh we appreciate candidness here 
and you don't often get it in the preseason. True, like OG's candidness of, <laughs> hey man, what was it like to watch playoff games from your hotel room? Well, we lost the first one, so it was kind of trash. I, it just sounds more and more like my appendicitis and his appendicitis were very similar uh, in terms of getting better. Like the first, because usually, I think we discussed this last year, uh, it's like a sort of a one night hospital stay, but he had a longer one and uh well you guys are both elite performance athletes it takes longer to get back to yeah uh but it sounded like he was kind of sick and dazed and probably running a fever as i was um uh so tell you i don't want to get appendicitis could use that drop 15 pounds immediately though that'd be all right yeah well you can also get uh mono like sam darnold like for that too um that's another good way to lose 15 pounds quickly. Yeah. Sweet. Have you, not, have you ever had mono? Nope. It's terrible. Don't do it. Don't get it. Just go I to I got jail. most of my weird health stuff out of the way young. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm all right. All right. All right. So I guess, I guess the only other question I have for you in terms of the rotation, because this is how I tend to think of it, is like you have the seven guys. There's three guards, two forwards, two bigs kind of depending on how you want to define those guys. The 8th, ninth, 10th rotation spot, it's kind of, it looks like there's room for one other guard and one other forward. So in my head, it's kind of like a Terrence Davis, Patrick McCaw, Matt Thomas battle, and a Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, Chris Boucher battle. Uh, obviously, there could be some overlap there with larger lineups like the OG at the 2 lineup that <laughs> got used on Friday and that I'm still not sure is going to be good, but I really, really like it. Um or like some smaller lineups where, you know, Norm's at the three or even a Terrence Davis is at the three or something like that. Um, if they're grouped into kind of pockets like that, though, I think we I feel like we covered the guard spot pretty well. Do you see a chance that Chris Boucher could stay ahead of Rondé and Stanley Johnson and kind of like maintain like like obviously he's better off at center in a vacuum but his clearest path to playing time is at power forward right now and maybe long term that's the best spot for him. Um, I feel like Boucher is going to be inconsistent. I bring him up because I know that a lot of people in deeper fantasy leagues um, who are probably <laughs> listening to the Dunks and Dimes NBA Fantasy Podcast uh, are curious about if he's going to get enough minutes to make an impact. I'm curious your take. Could Boucher do enough consistently enough to, to hold off those other guys for kind of the the third forward minutes where there don't figure to be a ton of minutes? I think he can start there, certainly. I'm sort of like you where I think that Rondé Hollis Jefferson is, you know, such a valuable piece that he'll eventually find his, not such a valuable piece, we're talking relatively here, but he'll he'll find his way into making a contribution for this team and uh, he will be a lot more reliable than Boucher could be. I, I just think by nature of what he's doing out there and by nature of sort of learning a new spot on the floor to the extent that that's still a thing in the NBA, which it is. Like if there's, if, you know, if there's anything that's very different, it's being a rim protecting center versus not being a rim protecting center on defense. Like that is maybe the hardest thing to adjust to now, uh, other than, you know, offensive point guard duties. Uh, so I just think necessarily there will be some issues there. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a fantasy expert. I, I don't know whether he's yeah, worth I've that Yeah, I've played pick. in fantasy leagues with you before. Yeah, you want to recall, you, you recall who finished ahead of whom last year? 
Uh, anyway, I, I actually don't even know. So it, it this is how me. much I care about fantasy basketball. It, it was me. Um, but yeah, so I I believe that that spot again is going to be fluid. If I had to bet who will get the most minutes over the year, it will be Rondé Hollis Jefferson. But Boucher is active, uh, and he will be streaky, and there will be a time. There will be times where it will seem like you can't. It will be hard to keep him off the floor. So, I think that's just sort of how it's going to go all year. I would agree with you. Um, I kind of hope someone runs with at least one of the rotation spots. I just the uncertainty night to night. I don't. I know that there's a like I'm all for flexibility and stuff like that. But like that's that's a lot of rotation holes that are question marks day to day. Um, I feel like someone will eventually grab one down, and maybe not for like 82 games, but like five, six games at a time. And also uh, injuries. Yeah, that'll happen too. And then, you know, Chris Boucher might be playing some backup power forward minutes, and then Marcus Gasol might get a night off. And then suddenly he's the backup center or something like that. So um, the one thing I want to say about Hollis Jefferson is that uh, when WCW and WWE first merged. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the Rock had a promo making fun of Booker T. Of and course. one of the things that he says is he's making fun of Booker T for being dumb, which is not a nice thing to do. Um, but uh, he's mocking him. And in this promo, Booker T gets asked uh, a question. And the answer is Thomas Jefferson, sucker. And The Rock says it in his fake Booker T voice. I really want to drop. I know we don't do drops on this show, producer Tyler. I really want a drop of that, but somehow to make it sound like Hollis Jefferson sucker. Because every time I say Hollis Jefferson in my head, that's exactly how I say it. Um. Yes. Uh, this was a fine reference. I'm an idiot. There. <laughs> no, it's the things we remember are very stupid. Hollis uh, Jefferson sucker. <laughs> let's uh let's I, I think people want some big picture stuff let's don't segue let's, come on let's get into it uh, i some so i want a big picture here's a big picture question eric who's gonna win uh the monday night wars wwe or, or wcw <laughs> aew or nxt the wednesday night wars Ooh, it's not looking good for nxt right now although not, not it, it's right not now. uh it's not as straightforward as as WWE versus WCW because it's a number one product versus a number three product based on name brand recognition. Um, yeah, it's like how the Raptors benched all their players and then played the Bulls full string guys. Yeah, and that kind of I don't know. And that, who cares? Let's transition into real big. AEW is better than the Bulls. Yeah, certainly. Um, by the way, no offense to Zach Lowe, who we love and is the best in the business. He had the Bulls. Crazy high, in my opinion, is league pass power rankings. Steve and I, my roommate, did our our like house league pass power rankings the other day, and I couldn't believe that Zach had the Bulls in the top ten. Well, he factors in like does I know he, he factor does. in like court and jerseys and like appearance because like the Bulls have great uniforms and and a floor and yeah, and I factor just, some of that stuff in too. Like it yeah. helps the Jazz and the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, I know, I know he's. I know he's really players. high on their like logo and uniform. Yeah. I am not particularly interested in them, even though they have a few more nice pieces and like Kobe White's hair, like bumps yeah. him up a point or two by itself. Um, and oh, Thad baby. Young is like, like kind of inexplicably like one of my all-time favorite guys. I've just like always really liked Thad Young, and he's Are, a really nice guy. I think he's like. 
ready to take over. I don't know who he's taken over from, but like he's now like the competent Thad Young. Like he's like the league's most competent player at what yeah. he does. Like he's been a, he's been around enough. It's like sort of David West was like yeah. after. I guess his... I guess Millsap's kind of the the ultimate one of those, but he's probably too good. He's to too good. Like he's made an All Star team and he's been maxed out or damn close to it. Uh, I, I think Millsap's slightly too good for it, and maybe West was at a point too, but like after sort of assassin. after sort of Paul George and Roy Hibbert took over the identity of the Pacers team. You remember when Roy Hibbert was like one of the most valuable NBA players there was? It was remember only like... that Roy Hibbert's now a player development coach and he's still like in his early 30s and oh my god. That's crazy. Yeah. He was like 6 years ago, 7 years ago, he was hugely important to one of the five or six best teams in the league. Roy Hibbert is to blame for the Raptors asking Jonas Valančiūnas to bulk up and then having to later ask him to get more lean and agile. Yeah. <laughs> yep, the league's going the way of the Roy Hibberts. Better get yeah. a sturdy center who can do drop-back coverage. Uh. Ah, well. All right, big picture predictions. Eric, let's do these quickly, because um, I think we've both written about them or mentioned them before. How many games are the Toronto Raptors going to win? I'm going with 46. Um, I believe their over-under is 47. Uh, I The Brooklyn game made me want to say, like, 50. And I, I don't think that's unrealistic. I, I, you know, as I wrote about on The Athletic, you know, half tongue-in-cheek, half not. Uh, Theathletic.com slash we the six for 40% off an annual subscription, by the way. Um, I think there's, you know, the season is obviously has a huge range of potential and, and uh, of potential outcomes. And I just think the most likely thing is they're very good. I, I think they'll be helped at the beginning by the amount of chemistry and cohesion they have just from bringing those seven guys back at the front end of their uh, roster. And it's going to continue to be a tough place to win uh, for opponents, Toronto. Uh, I just, you know, replacing two starting wings, including one superstar, is very, very difficult. And it's hard for me to see them... You know, I, I think there's just going to be some nights where the threes aren't going in and the offense looks really bad. And but I can't, boy, I, that assist I, percentage so far. Yeah. I know I, Marc Gasol told me that when I asked about it that it's something that was there last year. But statistically, it was absolutely not. Yeah. No, it's nice it's looked uh, good, but like it looks good when you're hitting twenty three three pointers in a game. And yeah, I picked them for forty eight. Yeah, I. Uh, I think they're going to be a top five defense. I think their ceiling is probably like 10th on offense. Um, obviously, they've looked better than that so far. Uh, and, and maybe their upside with a tight rotation is higher than that. But I, I definitely see a, a better path to them being an elite defense and maybe more of an average to slightly above average offense in a best case. Uh, the reason I picked 48 instead of something in the early 50s is just there are some lower percentile scenarios where... Lowry or Siakam get hurt and the offense really struggles or things start poorly, whether that's because of performance or injury or a combination of both. And then they're motivated to sell off a piece later on. And then toward the end of the year, it becomes, you know, not a sell off, but more about developing pieces. And, and that shifts the minutes loads and things like that. So um, I just think there are, you know, 48 is I'm comfortable there. I just think there are some scenarios that weren't there in recent years where the 
bottom could fall out. Not all the way. Like, like I don't think they'd be worse than a 500 team, but I could see them, you know, more so than in recent years having a, a lower floor. The only way they end up being a f- below 500, 500 team, I think, is if they're trying they to be. Lowry. Yeah, like if they do things that are, or, you know, injuries, always an issue. But, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, the other, I guess what goes along Let's get with weirder. the weirder. Yeah. Yeah, so we're let just quickly. Um, I have them at forty-eight, which the way I've drawn it up has them tied for third in the East, and I have them dropping out in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I have them out in the first round in a seven-game series to Boston. Um, oh, I, can uh, we please get a Boston series finally? I feel like we've been be flirting sweet. with it for like seven years now. Yeah, it, it would sort of be a shame that it happens now, um, but I'm still up for spending some time in Boston and in the spring. Uh, That would be nice. Uh, I have them. Yeah. I can't decide if it's like fourth or fifth. I, it doesn't really, uh, matter. it it doesn't really matter. And until that game seven. Yes. Um, And I just think we saw how much having like one player with that incredible just one-on-one offensive skill bailing you out of the playoffs matters in the playoffs. And, you know, they're hopeful Siakam can take that leap. It wasn't apparent last year in the playoffs. Uh, not that he didn't have a bunch of great games. He did, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously... he put 26 up against Draymond in a pretty big spot. But... Yeah. Um, but overall, his efficiency fell off playing yeah. again against, you know, three of the best defenders in the league today and maybe ever. <laughs> um, right, well, let's... So, yeah, I, that's where I have them. But I, I wouldn't, you know, anything from figure out a way to the conference final and probably lose there to, you know, seventh or eighth and a quick exit wouldn't surprise me. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, while we're on the topic of Siakam's efficiency in a higher role, let's pivot to some props. Yeah. I got some weird ones for you. Some some of them are pretty normal. Yeah. We can start off with Pascal Siakam. Points plus rebounds plus assists. Over under 35. Oof. That would be a 20-10 and 5 or a 22-9 and 4. I'm going to take slightly and three. I I would lean under. I think the scoring is going to be okay. I just don't know how his rebounding will be like given uh, given the extra load he's carrying offensively. So yeah, I think I, I hope I, that the assists are enough because like if he's up in the five, I think he needs to like I, I've been clear here and in writing that I think that part of his game that needs to improve the most as he takes on a number one role is is as a playmaker for others. Mm-hmm. And I think there are good signs in the preseason that's that that's coming. But the assist number in that total is is what I'm probably most interested in. Yeah. Um, I, I right now would pick right around four. Uh, and if that's up near five, I think it would be hard for him not to be over. Uh, Kyle Lowry over under 70 games. And does he make the all-star team? Uh, I will say, I said in my most likely scenario that he wouldn't because of games played. So I guess I should stick with that. Um, so I'll say under and no, but the tough thing here is that inertia is such a powerful force with the coach's vote. And, and and not that he won't deserve it, 
But I think if the Raptors are good, the first thing that most coaches will say is Kyle Lowry has a huge reason, is a huge reason why. And I think that will be the case. But will he deserve it over, you know, guys who have played more? I'm not sure. So I'll say under and no, but I don't feel good about it. More points per game. Facilitating starter Mark Gasol or bench scoring hub Serge Ibaka? Whew. Uh, that's a a good one right that's a very good one i'll take uh i'll take gasol semi-related who's number two on the team in scoring after siakam i'll take lowry um who who would you take there as a number two scorer yeah i have lowry as well yeah uh i thought about doing something wild there but i think it's lowry um, I think I I have uh, Abaka over Gasol for scoring though. Nah, uh, I'm you know it's it's very think, close. Yeah. Um, who? Which of the depth pieces? So, let's say not the seven main rotation players that we talked about earlier. Who will have the most random outburst in a game? <laughs> uh, Matt Thomas. I knew you were going to say that. So the next question is Matt Thomas over under forty percent on threes. Let's go over. Let's live. Hell yeah. Uh, Dewan Hernandez, season high in points for Raptors 905. <laughs> uh, I feel like, I mean, obviously you would be able to judge this better because you've <laughs> seen so many more. I just threw a 905 one in there to... Yeah. Uh, I'll say 32. Nice. I think that's that's in a good range. Um, will OG Ananobi get Raptors Media Relations uh, head Jennifer Quinn to listen to Young Thug? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, OG did the beard in the playoffs and the sideburns in the preseason and the goggles last year at one point as well. What is the next fashion move for OG Ananobi? Um, wow. The, like, sort of, I don't know what you call it, like, you know, like, what old Dirty Bastard's hair was at one point with, like, the knotted. Oh, yeah, like the twisted dress? Yeah, or yeah. The twisted Let's go with that. Braids. Yeah. Nice. That's a, that's a good bet. I like that. Um, okay, that's it. I'm out of, I'm out of props for you. All right. Well, that's We're also fine. running out of time, so. Uh, yes. Uh, I guess one more thing to talk about. The season opener's on Tuesday. By the way, if you're going, uh, the ring ceremony is supposed to start around 725. They're recommending you be in your seat by 715. Uh, the other case. thing is, like, if you get your rings, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody going will get replica rings. That's my understanding. Uh, they've also requested not to put them on social uh, until the players receive them. Uh, which yeah, is, that's not going to happen. I don't. Yeah, but I'm just passing it forward. Okay, so the Raptors game against Pelicans will not include... Zion Williamson, unfortunately, he's dealing with some undisclosed knee soreness that's going to keep him out of this game, and maybe the Raptors visit there in early November. Life is trash, Blake. Yeah, that has nothing to do with this, but uh, it's accurate. Um, Okay, still an interesting game, though. I think the Pelicans are going to be a lot of fun this year. I have them outside the playoffs, but I think they're going to be like one of the most interesting teams in the league, I believe. They finished second in our house's league pass power rankings, and that was after the Zion news, so, like, baking in some potential for Zion to not play a ton. Um, Drew Holiday is awesome, and I think maybe he'll be back to, like, the All-Star game this year. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 
is going to be the best Canadian rookie if he gets enough minutes. Uh, no disrespect to Brandon Clark and another top five league pass team, our Canadian Memphis Grizzlies. Bruno, also on that team. JV, also on that team. Brandon Clark, um, that team's going to be very fun. Uh, the Pelicans should be really good, though. Uh, they have the, or not really good, but really entertaining at least. So even without Zion, they have Drew Holiday, they have Nikhil Alexander-Walker, JJ Redick, uh, the Lakers kids seeing how they look. Eric, what are you looking forward to about Tuesday night, other than the banners going up, other than the rings being handed out, and other than just getting to start another exciting basketball season with our listeners and our readers? Yeah, the Pelicans are fun, man. Uh, they also have J.J. Redick uh, running around a bunch of screens, so there will be a lot a lot of Kyle and Fred in that game, I, I would yeah, guess. Yeah, would you think they start I, I would guess that's going to be the starting lineup, uh, will be Kyle and Fred, along with the three, you know, OG, Pascal, and Marc Gasol. Uh, He's always fun to watch. I have no idea what to expect from the Lakers guys just because they've existed in such a screwed up environment for their entire careers. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're they're a fun team. And I oh, just, you know what's going to happen I, I in that Zion game too? We're playing. Yeah, what? You know what else is going to happen in that game? I forgot. Uh, we're going to get another Etwan Moore thirty point game on all like fourteen foot floaters. I didn't know he was still on the Pelicans, but yeah. he sure is. My annual, the annual when I tell everyone else their trade ideas are bad, and I just throw out, "What about a Tuan Moore though?" <laughs> I like a Tuan Moore. Uh, Raptors seven point favorites in that Oof. game, by the way. So big, uh, big stakes. Well, early yeah. on uh, after that game, we'll talk to you before. Uh, sorry, we'll talk to you after that game and before the next games. But the Raptors will go from there to a road back to back Friday and Saturday against Boston and Chicago. Boston game should be a lot of fun. Um, Chicago's kind of a dangerous one, second night of a back-to-back. That Chicago team, as much as I don't love them from an entertainment perspective, um, they're probably going to be that kind of team that beats good teams when they're tired or napping. Uh, they have a little bit of that makeup to them. I think Zach Levine's going to be really cool this year. He's obviously he's always really cool, but he might be like good, the good kind of cool this year. He might be cool and good as opposed to cool and uh, divisive. Yeah, and the Celtics, the Celtics are just going to continue being a team that... I like roast a little bit and roll my eyes at, but also has a roster like half full of my guys, like <laughs> Grant Williams and Time Lord and Yabu when he was there. And Yabu. you know, I've always been a Jalen Brown guy. Yeah. Um, he was one of want... the guys I was interested if the Raptors might throw some money at if they had space next summer, which yeah. they will not. Yeah. Buddy Heald was another one of those. Yeah. Um, I kind of. I saw someone on Twitter throw out like a, a three-team framework involving Sabonis, Jalen Brown, and Buddy Heald. I kind of just like a Jalen Sabonis framework if the Pacers are motivated to move Sabonis. Um, Boston has a situation at center that is not good. Yeah, Ennis Cantor, baby. Former WWE 24-7 champion, Ennis Cantor. Do they still have um, the JV stopper, Aaron Baines? Um, no, didn't they trade Baines and then he bounced around a little bit? I don't know. It's possible. Didn't they do that thing to him where, um, anyway, this is not a question you should just throw out there at the end of the podcast. Sorry. Because um, they traded him to Phoenix. He plays for Phoenix. Right? He's plays for Phoenix. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The pick and roll Celtics, asks, is Celtics Aaron Baines a good fit great. with the Suns? <laughs> I'd suspect not, but whatever. Actually, Aaron uh, Baines is fine. This is enough Aaron Baines talk. Yeah, let's wrap this up, man. We are uh, at cap, and we should go. We talked right. about. I feel like this is a good podcast. I we actually got some feedback at the athletic subscriber event. 
um, this past week, and someone was saying that uh, sometimes he's a really nice guy. It was really nice to meet him. Um, he was saying that. And it's funny because sometimes the feedback we get is that the podcast is too long to like fit in a commute at like 40-ish minutes. Yeah. This one's around an hour right now, so he'll probably be a little happier because his feedback was that once we get going, it's time for the podcast to end. I feel like this is just like half of people want like a like a short 15 to 20-minute podcast like the uh, But First Sports Zoops is doing over at Yahoo. Um, and then some people want like a really long podcast because they drive longer or have it on at work or something like that. We can't make all those people happy. But can't hopefully... please everybody, even though the Liberal Party of Canada tries to do it. Yes, <laughs> sure. Let's take it. Just, I'm just Wrap trying up. to make it into a political conversation that we can't actually have and shouldn't because yeah. we are not the two to do it. Yes. All right. Go out and vote. Uh, the Toronto Raptors open their season on Tuesday. You can, if you're not already following and reading our stuff at theathletic.com, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six for 40% off your annual sub. Six um, the number, not six the word yes. or six IX, which would be pronounced six X. <laughs> Jesus, Eric. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. And we're on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Um, check our socials because they're, if you're listening to this before you've seen the announcements on socials, there's some cool podcast stuff coming as well guys we will talk to you uh, sometime between this and the boston celtics game on friday eric thanks so much man thank you see ya